As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. the big football show the athletics daily podcast dedicated to big 10 football i'm nicole auerbach a national college football writer and analyst for the big 10 network and as always on mondays i'm joined by scott dockerman our iowa beat writer we wanted to thank you our legends and listeners for spending some time with us and adding us to your podcasting rotation if you like us please subscribe rate and review us five stars just like ari wasserman's favorite prospects And Scott, I got to tell you, it feels like we are in the weeds of this Big Ten season now. And I know like time is bizarre and it is November, but it feels like 70 degrees and it's also early in the season. But I don't know. I mean, there's just so much chaos going on. It feels like we're in the thick of it. Yeah, we are. I mean, and I think we're starting to finally uh, get a little bit of separation, I think. I think the teams that we thought might be good, aren't. Some that we Hmm. didn't know about are. Um, And I think there's a lot of questions about around the Big Ten with some programs that bit the dust over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think, honestly, we can probably go back to Minnesota for causing some of the confusion of how we evaluated some of these teams this year because that's where we started with Michigan might be great. Michigan may have an offense. Then that shifted when they played Michigan State. And then we we learned a lot more about both of those teams this week. Um, and plus, you know, and I want to get into this because, as you mentioned, these are there's some programs that we are not used to seeing in their current state, like like really, really struggling. And that's also Penn State. And we'll, we'll get there. Um, but but I wanted to start at the, the game you are because let's piece together the Michigan schools first. And you saw Iowa just totally throttle Michigan State. Now, this was an Iowa team that was coming into the game 0-2, which was also strange. We were also, you know, that's also an unusual happening. Um, What did we learn about the two teams in the game that you saw in person? I think, first of all, Iowa was really close in its first two games. It lost by a combined five points, had leads that were normally they would secure. They lost. They were angry. They, but they were close. You could see it that they had the formation of a pretty decent team. Michigan State um, 
how it beat Michigan was pretty obvious. Beat man coverage. Mm. And Michigan, Michigan does that way too often. If they can't get to the quarterback, then that's when you can get the ball down the field. And that's what Rocky Lombardi can do and do very well. He did that a couple of times, twice against Iowa. And that was it. It was it, it, it. Iowa dominated the line of scrimmage both sides, put a lot of pressure on Rocky Lombardi. He threw three interceptions, one pick six. Iowa ran the ball well, as well as it had all year, 200-plus yards. Uh, Just dominated in every single phase of football. And it looked like Michigan State just had no idea what it wanted to be, what it wanted to try to do. And uh, so I think we learned that Michigan State – yeah, this isn't going to be your year. We learned Iowa could be a pretty good team, but not be in the very end because of what happened in its first two weeks. And then I think this lends a lot of explanations to Michigan as to uh, this isn't going to be Michigan's year either. No, I mean, and I think that was, you know, one of the major takeaways from the day was you had that game, which again ended 49-7 to Iowa, um, happening at the same time that Indiana was beating Michigan, from start to finish. Like it was so clear who was the better team and which program was in a better state that it didn't feel like an upset with Indiana beat Michigan thoroughly. And then the final score obviously was 38 to 21. Um, again, if you watch the game, both sides of the ball, it was so clear who the better team was. And, you know, it was just that was happening, and then the Michigan State result was happening at Iowa at the same time. And I, I can't think of a lower point during the Harbaugh era than the last two weeks for Michigan fans. Yeah, especially because the Minnesota game gave everybody hope. Uh, the Minnesota, both teams were pretty good last year. Uh, Minnesota certainly was coming off an 11 and 2 year. Everybody kind of thought, okay, whoever wins this game has a chance to be that outside contender. And then to go and score on what was it, seven straight possessions against the mighty Gophers? I mean, it felt like here we are. Okay, Michigan, Joe Milton, finally a quarterback. This team's ready to, to rock and roll because we knew that Minnesota has a good offense, and it does. Uh, but then to lose the way it did against Michigan State was such a shock based on what Michigan State did, and then to bounce back. And as you mentioned, this was the first Hoosiers win against the Wolverines since 1987. Now, I remember that game. I don't know if you were I, around for I, it. I was not. I okay. was not alive. <laughs> All right. Now I feel really, really, really old. Um, I was still in middle school, thankfully. But, <laughs> but you know, Anthony Thompson was on that team for the for the Hoosiers, and he was a tremendous running back. And, and uh, Michigan wasn't very good that year. That said, they're, Indiana's pretty good this year. This is a different Indiana team. And Michael Penix is that playmaker that ties in a team that, over the last handful of years, had been getting better, had competed against good teams, could not push through. But when you have a playmaker like this, who, uh, you know, what, he threw three more touchdowns uh, the other day, you know, against Michigan. It's just, to me, this they, may, they are making a case for themselves as being the second best Big Ten team. And in two weeks, they've got an opportunity to try to knock off the champ. We argued that on the Big Ten Network last week. Are they the second best? And and obviously, there's still that that respect for Wisconsin. They're out of sight, but not out of mind. And they are, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully coming back this week and, and going to be able to play. But I, I buy into Indiana. I mean, if you're beating Penn State and Michigan in the East, 
You, you've got to be in that conversation, even if there's a gap with Ohio State, which we don't know. They're going to play. They're going to play when we'll see. But, like, the, there's been a gap between Ohio State and the second-best team in this conference for a number of years now. And one thing that I thought that was really encouraging, um, again, I expected Indiana to win this game, but last week when I was evaluating, you know, are they the second-best, their numbers – are not great. Like, they are a good team. I think we all eat an eye test thing. But one thing that jumped out at me was they were last in the league on third down conversions, and then they convert 9 of 18 against Michigan, right? Like, they were just – they were working into 2 of 2 on fourth down. Like, they were getting better before our eyes, and they were already the better team in the game. And so, um, to me, it's remarkable. Um, You know, I spent some time with Tom Allen back in March, and the whole point was – okay, we had this breakthrough season last year. We win eight games. The next step is beating teams in the Big Ten East. And we know that it's hard to find wins in that league. And now you have wins over Michigan and Penn State. And honestly, Scott, I kind of think they broke Penn State. Like, the way that they won that game was was the opener. Then Penn State goes and loses to Ohio State. And then, honestly, was fairly lifeless against Maryland Sean Clifford is regressing. The defense has a ton of porous holes. It's almost like Indiana is taking all of the the the, the good and the talent and like the the execution from these other teams and like hoarding it because Penn State is also a problem. Penn State and Michigan, I, I don't even know which one you're more concerned about at this point. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is where you kind of go back to, uh, this is a wild year. We expect a wild year, but walking into the season playing Big Ten teams right away uh, is going to change the dynamic mentally for a lot of these teams. And when you're 0-3 at Penn State, that's not palatable. And and they're facing a team this coming week that's kind of in a similar situation, although it hasn't had the same number of, it hasn't had the same amount of recent success, and that's Nebraska. And uh, Nebraska's 0-2, Penn State will be 0-3. Uh, that could really change the dynamic. But then after that, they're playing Iowa, which I think is clearly getting better and is not the type of team you walk into and go, yeah, we want to play them. I mean, it's just not that kind of a game. You might win, but you're not going to feel good about it. So I think Penn State's probably in a little bit of a rougher situation when it comes to on the field. However, when you start to look at Michigan and everybody's waited for this Jim Harbaugh breakthrough, it's not there. It's not going to be there this year. And does anybody have faith it's going to be there? Because at Michigan, you measure yourself against one team and one team only, Ohio State. And if you can't match Ohio State, then it's just no matter what you do, you could be a top five team. You could go win a major bowl game. But if you can't beat Ohio State, then it doesn't matter. And I think right now that you don't see that light at the end of the tunnel. It's just not there. No, Scott, Scott, you're completely right. I mean, the the Jim Harbaugh experiment was not really an experiment. It wasn't supposed to be, is this going to work? It was just when and how long until it works. And 
it's not. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's clear that they, you know, as you mentioned, you're, you're not matching up with Ohio State. Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, they're recruiting at a different level. You know, they're competing at a different level than just about everybody else. But the question is, what is going on when you're clearly losing to a team like Indiana that's on the rise, that has no football history in the way that Michigan does? Um, I, and, and you just make the same mistakes every year. The quarterback questions, the offensive line, the play calling, right? Like, these are all the same issues. Um, so I don't know where you go from here because, you know, it's sort of like Scott Frost at Nebraska, right, where – you you get the guy. You got the guy who is tied to your program, kind of the white whale that you've always wanted. And then what happens when they're not doing what you thought they were going to do? And again, Scott Frost is much earlier into his tenure, but they haven't reached a bowl game either at Nebraska. And so so it's obviously you give people a long leash, and, and this is what's happened with, with Harbaugh. But at what point do you have to make a change? And then if you make a change, where do you go from there? When you got your white whale, you're you, you make bring up an excellent point, and I think the, the the trajectory of those two programs are a little bit different, even though their histories suggest that anything less than a championship is is not palatable. And I think you look at at Michigan, what Harbaugh was able to do was make Michigan competitive right away. He won ten games his first year with a transfer quarterback in Jake Rudock. The next year, they had an elite level of defense that I would say that outside of Michigan two thousand Michigan State two thousand thirteen was maybe the best defense I'd seen in the league in the last ten years. Uh, but then you look, they were within an inch of going to the Big Ten championship game and probably winning a Big Ten championship in two thousand sixteen. Since then, you've seen. Uh, kind of a plateauing of the program. And that's, again, at a place like Michigan, you just don't want that. You can't accept that. And so what what is the next step? Well, what I've seen out of Michigan is they've, they have not had a clear upper-level quarterback. They've had great athletes on the offensive side of the ball, but never been able to put anything around them to make them succeed. And then defensively, I've seen an arrogance in play calling and execution that just – it doesn't fit. And I think what you look at is if this is not going to work for Jim Harbaugh or for Michigan and there needs to be some sort of separation. And I would say financially, that's that's a dead issue this year with COVID. And But if Jim Harbaugh recognizes that it doesn't work for him and he wants to back out, then I think you look at somebody with a proven track record of building excellence at a place that's not that doesn't have that. Now, in conference, that's Tom Allen out of conference. That's Matt Campbell um, and other and a few other places. Um, and then you figure, okay, if they can, even if you cannot get the level of five star talent uh, that Ohio State does, at least you can get enough talent to build a program and develop it. And then at Michigan, you can recruit to that level at some point. But right now, it's it's a program that's really struggling to find an identity and to maintain it and compete at that level that's that's at expectation. No, I think it's a really good point about builders. Um, and, and when I was working on that that Tom Allen story, Hugh Freeze brought that up, that he felt that he and Tom both were builders mm-hmm. and that you're either a builder or you're a sustainer. And it's and it's hard to be both. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are builders. And, and, you know, I mean, the more I hear about, you know, people keep talking about Luke Fickle just because he's the rising star in the group of five. Don't know if he would leave. He's he's obviously an Ohio State guy. He's an Ohio guy. 
Um, but it's that type of coach. Um, and you know, you can talk about Michigan men and all these things, but Brady Hoke was one, Jim Harbaugh was one, you know, it, it's time to look outside of that and, and kind of adjust to the times and, and find that right coach. So I'm with you. And, you know, before we wrap up, I do want to check in on another, you know, another coach who is building is Mike Loxley, Maryland. We, we mentioned that, you know, Penn State lost that game very handily. Um, I got to say, uh, Talia Tagovailoa is the real deal. I mean, you know, week one, he struggled against Northwestern. But his stat line, 18 of 26, 282 yards, three touchdowns. He is the quarterback that this program, you know, you talk about programs that need a quarterback, just not even an upper level one, which he is, but a quarterback that's healthy. And this is what Maryland can be if you have a quarterback that's healthy, plus Rakeem Jarrett. Like, Mm -hmm. these are the types of players that you were hoping you were going to get when you hire Mike Loxley. And we're seeing it come together. We're seeing that program get better week to week. We're also seeing the team that they played in week one, Northwestern, get better week to week. And now they're 3-0 and in the Big Ten for the first time since 2000. So to your point about this has been such a weird year, the teams that are kind of like the cream rising to the top are teams that we were not expecting it to. And I think that... That's exciting. It's interesting, but it also like you know you put that in contrast with the blue bloods and their struggles, and it it, it kind of makes those feel more painful because you're seeing programs, um, you know, you're seeing a Northwestern team that that couldn't move the ball, change offensive coordinators, get a quarterback, and and they can move the ball and come back in games now, right? So you're seeing other places make the fixes that their programs aren't. But Northwestern is is absolutely a bright spot. Maryland getting better. Absolutely a bright spot this season. Yeah, and I think Northwestern is a team that's just, it's so secure in what it is. And defensively, that's, uh, tr- they've been tremendous. Uh, you know, I watched them last week, you know, come back from 17-0 on the road at Kinnick. Now, with, you know, not not 70,000 people at Kinnick, you know, it's a different environment altogether. But that said, they still did it against a pretty good team. You know, and I'm not saying that Northwestern can't beat Wisconsin either. I think they can. Um, I'm and interested to see. I mean, Wisconsin jumps back into the frame, we think, this week against Michigan in a game that we expected to be uh, a major game, and instead we, we're not sure. And then two weeks down the road, we've got kind of a separation Saturday with Indiana, Ohio State, and Wisconsin Northwestern. Um, and then we're, we'd also be overlooking Purdue, which didn't play, and Purdue is – 2-0 and, and and has some star power of its own. So I think it's really an upside-down year, um, and we're going to see kind of where this ends up at the end. But I, I don't think this is any less fascinating just because the Blue Bloods are struggling. I think it, it, it just makes everything come to the middle, and we just don't know. And that makes it more fun, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I love that you've You've dubbed two weeks from now Separation Saturday and that the games are Indiana, Ohio State and Wisconsin Northwestern. Like these were not the games that we circled when we looked at the calendar. I mean, I I might have circled Indiana, Ohio State just because as a potential like stumbling block. But now it's like a, a genuine big game. 
And and I think and it maybe it's going to be probably going to be Ohio State's toughest game of the season. And it's just so remarkable. And this is why you play the games. I mean, this is why we do what we do. We love sports because you don't know what's going to happen until these games are played. And um, I, I absolutely feel that way. You've got Northwestern, Purdue this weekend. The West race is going to have a lot more clarity in the next two weeks. Um, and then and then the East is still a mess. I mean, we didn't really hit on Ohio State. Um, just, I mean, they were playing Rutgers. Rutgers whipped out a lot of trick plays, which I kind of love. I would I would kind of go for like an all trick play um, playbook, you know, if I'm Rutgers. But, you know, so the game was closer than I think people are used to seeing with a Rutgers team. But again, we've talked about this on the show. Like, this is a team that's different. This is a team under Greg Schiano that is is fighting hard, playing different, playing more sound. Um, but Ohio State took care of business. Justin Fields still, I think, on the season has more touchdowns than incompletions. Is that is that right? I mean, just a crazy stat. So, you know, Ohio State remains on track. They're, they're not going to have very many challengers this year in this league. No, they're not. But I, I like what I have saw out of Rutgers. I mean, this is a team that competes. And you've got to be excited about that if you're Rutgers. That's the kind of team that you want out of Greg Schiano. And I think, you know, he's already proven that he can he can compete. And maybe this is a year where they can get uh, a Michigan or a Penn State kind of the way Indiana has. Uh, Ohio State got a test. I think in this I think that's the perfect scenario for Ohio State, which is you played well in the first half. You established a big lead, but you got you got things you want to work on because their aspirations are beyond the Big Ten level. Let's face it. I mean, I do think that there are teams that could challenge them. I think Indiana can. I think Wisconsin can, or whoever comes out of the West. I think they'll give them a challenge. Uh, but that said, they're they're eyeing just a couple of teams: Bama, Clemson, when Trevor's back, uh, Notre Dame, or whoever else is that four team. I was I was I was proud of you for including Notre Dame. I mean, we got to talk about them in this mix now. So, yeah, they're in that echelon now, at least for this season. And they did have uh, they did have fans at their game, and they all came out on the field. Um, so yeah, that which uh, a, a reminder why the Big Ten has its policy is uh, to avoid super spreader events. Yeah, well, just uh, a reminder there. We'll see if that goes you know into that vortex that is uh, Notre Dame and among the Big Ten teams in there. But but regardless, um, I, I do think, you know, Minnesota got back on track. We've got a big game Friday night for the Floyd of Rosedale Traveling Trophy in Iowa-Minnesota, which is always an interesting game. And Lovey Smith's mask, what do you make of it? Listen, I've seen it. I've seen it on other people before, like a fitness influencer, something. I, I don't know why it helps if it's like form-fitted, Definitely looks a little superhero-esque um, or something weirder. I don't know. But I have seen it before. It was I know everyone freaked out. But listen, Lovey, as much as we love for him to be a trendsetter with the beard and all these things, I don't think he's the first person to have a mask this way. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> all right. Just saying. <laughs> I am just saying. But we will keep tabs on that. I actually am intrigued by the um, the way that people are wearing masks and um and the face shields. Pat Narduzzi at Pitt is also a trendsetter, I would say. Trendsetter. Okay. Well, Trendsetters. <laughs> nice. And and we we are setting the trend for, for this podcast for this week, which honestly, there's a lot to break down. I mean, we, we barely, barely scratched the surface. So be sure to listen throughout the week as we dive deeper on the East, dive deeper on the West, the Michigan schools, the chaos, everything else that ensues. Um, don't forget to listen tomorrow on Tuesday. It's Bill Landis and Audrey Snyder breaking down the Big Ten East and everything that's wrong with Penn State. Um, 
I hope I, – is Audrey going to be able to keep that to, like, under two hours in that podcast, Scott? Like, I, I'm I'm not sure. There's I, so much. Yeah, there's a lot to break down there. And uh, likewise, on Wednesday with Mitch Sherman and myself breaking down the, the beast of the West or the West is best podcast, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot to discuss, especially the quarterback situation in Nebraska. So, uh, yeah, we've got a full week for you uh, in the Big Ten football. We've reached the second week of the of November, and, uh, you know, it's going to be the mix of weather. we got, we got 70s now and possibly snow by the end of the week. So hopefully uh, nobody drives off the road. Very on brand for, for Big Ten this time of year. Thank you so much for listening to the Big Football Show, the Athletics Daily Podcast dedicated to Big Ten football. I'm Nicole Auerbach. He's Scott Dockerman. We will talk to you again next Monday, but be sure to listen tomorrow for Audrey and Bill.